This is Contemporary Conservative Audio by ContemporaryConservative.net. The following is a segment called Contemporary Thoughts. It comprises two recordings. First is of myself giving an off-the-cuff commentary about the latest claims of hypocrisy by the left. The second is a recording from my colleague with his reaction. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment at our website, contemporaryconservative.net. Let's get started. Today we'll be talking about the recent claims from the left about Republican and conservative hypocrisy regarding the appointment of a new Supreme Court justice following the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. As we all know, they keep referring to the appointment of, I believe his name, Eric Garland by Obama in 2016, how the Republican Senate at the time did not want to take the vote on appointing or the justice or judge. As well said or pointed out by other people that uh, the main difference here is that there is a Republican president in the White House and the controlling Senate is ran by the Republicans. So as the Constitution suggests, the president's job is to nominate and the Senate's job is to assent, not assent, advise and consent, which is a phrase they throw around a lot. Well, Trump has a, will be nominating and the Republican Senate plans to advise and consent and appoint whoever Trump plans to nominate. But, no, maybe it wasn't ideal for uh, Mitch McConnell in 2016 to explain it the way he did. And it does appear hypocritical to some people. I don't think it is. But the real hypocrisy we all know comes from the left. And it's more than just hypocrisy. It's projection. They always claim that the conservatives are doing one thing. Meanwhile, it's the left who's doing the thing that they're claiming the right of. You see it all the time. Most recent example would be the, that uh, Trump was asked the other day if he loses the election, if there will be a peaceful transfer of power, which is a loaded question and purposely designed to beat Trump, clearly. <laughs> Because as Mitch McConnell pointed out, every four years the elections are held and the power is transferred peacefully to the next president. And it has been since 1792. It's not going to change. Even if Trump waffles on his response to such a question, I mean, the American people and the representatives in the House and the people elected in the Senate would certainly not just let Trump stick around if he lost. It's silly. It's a waste of time. 
But we do know that Hillary Clinton recently said that Joe Biden shouldn't concede the election, shouldn't give him an inch. They have a couple of scenarios that they're looking uh, toward. One is messing up absentee balloting so that they then get maybe a narrow advantage in the Electoral College on Election Day. Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. But of course nobody talks about that. So who's the one that's really not going to go for the peaceful power, transfer of power? Is it really Donald Trump and the conservatives? No. We didn't make a big deal in 2008 when Barack Obama won, or 2012. Did we? Or did they? No. And another example... It's when it comes to a bunch of scandals. They're always trying to get President Trump with scandals. And you never really, you know, you notice that they, uh, they never really have anything to do with anything important. Lately, it's all only been about what he said. Oh, he said some bad stuff about the, the troops, the soldiers from World War I. We know that's not true. Plenty of people come out and discredited that. 28, even if it's not 28, like the president claims, it's certainly more than 10, which is certainly more than four anonymous sources who claimed he said the thing. And the whole the phone call with the leader from Ukraine. Did he actually do anything wrong? No. Did he say some ill-advised things? Maybe. But was anything like the Fast and Furious scandal? No. That was a real scandal that happened under President Obama. Of course, we don't talk about those things. The left don't want to talk about those things. And more hypocrisy and projection. You know, you get Ilhan Omar out there talking about how this country grinds people into poverty. As we speak, we are in the midst of an ongoing uprising over centuries of racial neglect and oppression. We can't talk about the protests in Minneapolis or Kenosha or sports teams nationwide without first looking inward. We maintain a system that grinds millions into desperate poverty, a system that doesn't provide the most basic necessities like food, shelter, and medicine. It grinds people in poverty, probably like Somalia. Probably wants to turn us into Somalia. The same place that she left, escaped from, to come to this country where she's been given every opportunity she can imagine. I mean, she can't be a representative of any other country other than maybe Somalia. Or any free country, I'll say any free country other than the United States. They, no, nobody would let her let her become a representative. She takes she takes everything this country gives her for granted. We all know it. And yet, it's an evil country. It grinds people into poverty. 
the things they believe, the things she believes, grind people into poverty. It's never ending. They always, they always do it. Always projecting. No, they're claiming supposedly they'll try to pack the court. And they claim that Trump's the one that doesn't want to follow the laws. He's doing exactly what the Constitution prescribes the president to do. You get dotes like Don Lemon saying we're going to have to burn it down. Burn the system down. Same system that gives them the freedom to say so. Gives these representatives the freedom to represent us and the people that vote them in. Of course, they only want to burn it down after they get control, right? And they're crying about... Crying about... uh, RBG's dying wish. You really think her dying wish was that she'd be replaced by the next president? Really? Really? Sure, she might have said that in the past several weeks to somebody. But come on. But anybody who actually believes Ruth Bader Ginsburg, gosh darn, she's got a hard name to say, Dying wish was that she'd be replaced by a, the next president is a fool. And they're trying to fool the American people. She's not the kind of lady, from all accounts, that, that would have said such a thing as her, her last wish. Give her some more credit. You think she... Her dying wish would be something related to the health of her family. The health of her children, her grandchildren, if she has it. I don't personally know. She might. I assume she would at her age, but I don't know. But her last dying wish was her her replacement would be picked by the next president. Well, believe it or not, we actually have on tape that, uh, good evidence that she probably wouldn't have said that. Because she wouldn't support the current movement or claims of the Democrats that they might try to pack the courts. And so on tape. I might try to add it in here if I can. What does concern you? If you're not worried about the term limits, what are you worried about? Well, what was the You mentioned... Adding the number, changing the number of justices. Oh, yes, yes. There is no fixed number in the Constitution, so this court has had as few as five, as many as ten. Nine seems to be a good number, and it's been that way for, for a long time. I have heard that there are some people on the Democratic side who would like to increase the number of judges. I think that was a bad idea when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to pack the court. His plan was for every justice who stays on the court past the age of 70, the president would have authority to nominate another justice. 
if that plan had been effective, the court's number would have swelled immediately from 9 to 15, and the president would have six appointments to make. You mentioned before um, the court appearing partisan. Well, if anything would make the court appear partisan, it would be that. One side saying, when we're in power, we're going to enlarge the number of judges, so we will have more people who will vote the way we want them to. So I am not at all in favor of that solution to what I see as um, a temporary situation. But uh, this isn't true. She wouldn't have said that. And it's sad <laughs> that uh, the left would use this, the death of this woman. <laughs> I guess, well, it's sad for us, but I laugh because I can imagine that this, it's not a surprise. That's that's why I laugh. It's not a surprise that they would do such a thing. But, uh, you know, that's the left way, isn't it? They lie. They project onto us what they're really doing. They are the real hypocrites. Thank you for finding ContemporaryConservative.net and our podcast. Just to react to my colleagues, I would point out a few notes. I did take notes here. First, I would say to my good friend that it is Merrick Garland, not Eric, just for the record here. I agree with your point, uh, your take on the headlines that, um, you know, there's a dichotomy this time around that we're not under a divided government, at least not in terms of these Supreme Court nominations and approvals. Under Obama in 2016, when he literally was a lame duck, Trump still has the possibility of re-election and won't face any such lame duck state until after the election you know, assuming that Biden wins, he would then be a lame duck. He is not a lame duck now. For all intents and purposes, he may never be a lame duck, as Obama was in 2016. You also remember that it was in just in 2014 that they had elected this Republican majority in the Senate as a check on just such instances against Obama's final term. It was in the Senate's prerogative at that time to either take up Obama's nomination or not. Now we have consensus, at least in this matter. It's not as if Republicans hold the entirety of government. The Democrats made a huge push and they did win the House. That is a huge check on the other two branches. They hold the power of the purse, and the power of impeachment. We have seen Nancy Pelosi abuse both. In this case, we're not watching the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, abuse any such power. 
It was his prerogative in 2016 not to take up Obama's nominee because it was a freshly Republican Senate. Of course, they could check Obama. Now we have consensus. It is also Mitch McConnell's prerogative once again, in fact, to take up the nominee of this Republican president. You talk about how they're the real hypocrites and how they project everything on us. This is a wonderful point. They're the ones, I mean, Don Lemon just the other night was quoted as saying, blow everything up, talking to his colleague Chris Cuomo when he handed the show over to Don for the hour. They've also been screaming to pack the court, as they have before. They're also the ones who, like you brushed on, have been running war game scenarios you know, and this they've they've run these scenarios. These think tanks have run these scenarios and they've played it out to see what would happen if Biden just refuses to concede the race to Trump. So that's what they're running with. That's why Clinton would push this. Do not concede at all under any circumstance, she says. That's also why they're sending out these mass unsolicited ballots. Something to the tune of 80 million unsolicited ballots all over the United States, different states. Nevada now has no signature verification. So in theory, anyone, uh, uh, take it this far, maybe anything could, uh, you know, mail-in a ballot. I used to work in a different profession as a tax preparer, and every year you hear the stories. You have people who innocently ask if they can claim their cats and dogs, and you hear stories of people who just do so without asking. If they can put a cat or a dog on a tax return and sneak it through, why would these people not get ballots? About these scandal stories uh, against Trump. I think it's interesting. We have an article up on our site at Contemporary Conservative called Smearing Trump. And uh, I talk about in this article that, you know, the, um, about the dead soldiers comments, you know, calling them losers and suckers, they say. Well, of those, I thought the number was 21, but, you know, whatever the figure is, of those people that came out and to set the record straight about what Trump had done and said with his time there in France at that cemetery, John Bolton was among them. And it isn't amazing how they love John Bolton one minute and hate him the next. Just as you say it's projection, you're right. They are the inconsistent ones, not John Bolton. John Bolton has been John Bolton, a disappointment to everybody, on the left and the right. <clears throat> but John Bolton hasn't changed. It's their love or hate of John and what he's saying at the time that changes. To move to this story of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's final wish, I mean, this is just silly. 
The same people like AOC who come out and say that Mitch McConnell can't honor a dying woman's last wish, well, preposterous. She can't choose her next replacement from the bench. She knows the Constitution better than anybody, one would think. What's really crazy here is that she had every opportunity to step down under Obama. Obama very easily could have appointed her replacement. But RBG, just like so many in 2016, was so certain that Hillary would be our president today that she thought being replaced by the first female president would be the real crowning jewel in the RBG biography. Like other tyrants, she would rather die holding power at the wrong time rather than consenting to passing the buck when she had the ability to do so. That's all I got there. Thanks for listening.